The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Rockin' like Moroccan. G'day everyone and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast. Coming to you live on Port Fan Radio, I am your host, Macca19. And joining us as always, the lovely Porsche. Macca, oh my God. Can, I tell, you about, can, I, can I tell you about today? Yes. I, my, my lunch break, I went to T2. And so I got in there, oh. I picked out a few boxes to refuel my stocks. And they yep. said, oh, you got a $50 voucher. Would you like to use it? <gasps> yes, I would like to use it. And then I, they say, okay, have you got a little membership card, your little ticker thing? And not only did I get my $50 voucher, I also got a free box of tea as well because the voucher ticked over in the same visit. Look at that. So I got like six boxes of tea for like 20 bucks. It's a oh tsunami of tea. That's crazy. I know. I know. It's fantastic. I'll be drinking tea until, I don't know, December. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, that's good. Free stuff is always good. Oh, especially when it's free stuff that you've probably paid about 2000 bucks for in the last few years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, tea's important. Tea's very important. It's cheaper yeah. than coffee. so It is. It absolutely is. So, yeah. did you watch uh, any of the finals? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I watched, uh, I think, the one match that I think was the most interesting for the weekend. And I'm going to disagree with Victorians because I don't think it was Hawthorne versus Geelong. Um, it has to be... Um, Greater Western Sydney versus Sydney was the most interesting match this weekend. Oh, for uh, sure. Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's bloody terrifying, isn't it? Mm. I, I don't think anyone that wasn't a, a Greater Western Sydney fan would be sitting at home and thinking anything other than, oh. <laughs> you know? I liked it. I thought it was great. I, I really hope that was a great game. <laughs> to be honest. Well, so do I, but for different reasons, I suspect. Mm. Um, mine is just, diff- you know, Greater Western Sydney winning the premiership. Like, <laughs> you all deserve to lose in finals. Yeah. Um, but just that that inevitability that they're just up there now and they're going to be there for a long time because the draft concessions won't stop coming. Um, they've got a surplus of guys in the second level that they can trade for picks. And even if they lose some eventually to free agency, they'll be compensated for them with more picks. That's it. Um, well, they just won the Neeple yeah. Premiership as well. Yeah, exactly. So, um, Scary times. Yeah. If, if any, look, I think that really should be a wake-up call, hopefully for our list managers as well, to say, hey, maybe we ought to be realistic about our expectations in the next two or three years. Yeah. Uh, because we're going to have to be that good to win a premiership. And, you know, we'd like to imagine we can jag one on our day, but we're not even close enough to be able to jag one right now with our current list. No, our time was 2014. That's, yeah. Uh, that's becoming more and more apparent, I think. But Unfortunately. You never know. You never know what will happen. But Yeah, I mean, that, that was a good game. I watched uh, the second half of that, and they just stormed home. GWS and, and to beat their uh, their neighbours in their first ever final, I mean that's a that, that would be a dream come true for their uh, fifty eight supporters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's really disappointing in that regard, isn't it? But yeah. um, oh well. And look, the dogs hammered West Coast on their own turf in uh, yeah, good, a, a pretty it? unexpected eight goal win, and you know the dogs were. Uh, really carried well by some uh, pretty young players or, or some unheralded players. I mean, Liam Picken had probably his career best game, close to best on ground. 
Taylor Daniel was wonderful. Josh Dunkley kicked a couple of goals. Um, and then down back, Joel Hamling and Zane Cordy. I mean, who are they? <laughs> and they uh, they held um, the likes of Kennedy and, and uh, Darling really well. Yeah, look, that Bulldog side, again, it's another one of these young sides that's got a lot of high drafted talent and also a few good finds and those annoying persistent buggers that keep popping up as father-sons. Um, just filling out the ranks a little bit. Um, they look like they're going to be good for a while. I don't know that they're going to be premiership good, but they should be right up there. Um, and again, that's another one of the teams we should be comparing ourselves to in terms of our list of um, quality, and we're not near it. Yeah. Oh, look, add Travis Cloak to that side and they'll, uh, they'll beat everyone. <laughs> I thought he was coming to us, Macca. No. God, no. no dogs <laughs> oh. all the way. I don't know. We've got form for drafting cloaks. We had uh, Cameron. Oh, so. I think he's actually named the dogs as his destination, I think. So. Oh, really? Oh, okay. yeah. oh wow. That's, I'm that's, pretty sure he has, but... That's pretty fascinating then. Mm. West Coast were in all sorts, really. They were absolutely thumped in the middle and they really missed Nick Nat, I thought. And, uh, you know, Kennedy was well held. Darling did nothing at all and put in probably his second poor final in, in succession. And uh, look, Elliot Yo and uh, Jamie Cripps put in probably two of the most embarrassing finals performances I've I've ever witnessed. I reckon they were absolutely shocking. Yeah, well, yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have much more to add than that. <laughs> We've got an early question from the Spreaker chat. Dylan has asked them: Has Carlton got it right importing GWS rejects in bulk? Uh, I think Carlton have got it right for where Carlton are at, which and uh, you know we we could there could be a case for us maybe doing that as well. Um, the the case that could be made for it is that we're talking about well I'm not talking about it but other people on the board are talking about how oh we can't make all these cuts because then who are we going to replace them with? And the answer is you know various list clockers. You know if mm. if you want to change the culture of your club and there's a club that has to do list players every year and they might be quite decent. That's exactly the time you, you cut all your, your, your dead wood and replace them. Um, yeah. So I, I could definitely see a case being made for that. But, um, you know, Carlton already got the, the good pick of them last year. And I don't know that there's yeah. been too many more added. So I, I don't think it's realistic that we'd be able to do it again this year. Yeah, for sure. Did you see much of the Geelong Hawthorne game? No, no. Look, it's not, it doesn't really interest me, which is um, ironic considering I'm in Melbourne. But uh, no, I, didn't really, I don't really care about John Cotton, Geelong and Hawthorne. Who cares? Oh. <laughs> the best modern day rivalry and one of the best modern finals of all time of uh, of the modern era, I think, and uh, just so an extraordinary ending. And uh, the lead changed seven times with the last seven goals, and uh, poor old Isaac Smith bottling it um, after the siren. And uh, I don't know, he's probably one Hawthorne player that I really, really like. And uh, it was a bit of a shame that he was the one that had to miss. I think. Yeah, and and look, I mean, I guess this weekend of finals is really complicated for me because. Um, if I was barracking for sides, then it would actually require me barracking for both Scott brothers. Um, and that <laughs> is just, I, I couldn't do it. So that's why I didn't watch. Oh, yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, I just couldn't do it. Well, the other game win is expected as well. So that's, uh, that's enough yeah. of that. Uh, right, on to the best and fairest. And uh, it was the club's 2016 best and fairest on Friday night uh, with Robbie Gray taking out his third consecutive John Cale medal. Uh, yeah. First for the club at AFL level, uh, Ollie Wines and Jasper Pittard took out the places. Um, Kay Mitchell won the McLean Medal for the Magpies uh, Best and Fairest as well. Um, did you see any surprises in the uh, in the leaderboard there, Portia? 
Um, yeah, I think probably there's one that's one that is actually surprising because he we might have thought he was higher rated, and that's Hamish Hartlett being down at 17th on the list. Yeah. Um, but I guess the other way you'd have to say, you know, Matt Broadbent in sixth place is surprising. Justin Westhoff in the top 10 is very surprising, uh, and even Jake Need coming in at 16th. That's that's kind of I find that hard to justify. Yeah, I think um, Brody and Westhoff in particular probably gained more votes because they played every game. Quite I'd simply. say that's probably part of it. Like but... If you, know, you look at their votes per game, it's probably a little bit less than where they actually finished on the final leaderboard. But because they were yeah, two of the only players that um, played either close to or did play every game, mm. um, yeah, they probably finished a little bit higher than expected. But I, I thought Brody was okay this year. Westhoff, you know, he, he had his moments. Um, I thought Trengove might have been a little bit higher. Um, outside of that, I think it probably went... As uh, as planned, I would think. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is good to see uh, a guy like Logan Austin sort of right on the edge of that first twenty-two. There, um, you know, given he only played what eleven games or something, yeah. he did all right. He did all right there. No, he did. He sure did. Mm. Um, I guess the other surprise was uh, maybe in some of the other awards. I mean, um, Pittard won the best team man. He also won most improved. Um, Pre-count, I would have been surprised at both of those. Um, best team, well, I mean, I guess it depends on what best team man awarded for. Because uh, obviously, I think at one stage... when we Voted had best... on by the uh, by the players as well, I think, so. Yeah, because, I mean, there's two things to being... Like, we used to have, I think, what, best club man or something like that, and that sort of sort of included the, the, the community stuff as well. Yeah. Um, like, it was a sort of a whole of character thing, whereas now I think it is much more about team performance and your role in the team. So I can kind of see Jasper Pittard getting that one. Um, look, he said he had a really good I year. I thought Trengove and, would have had that uh, all wrapped up, to be honest. But... Oh, it depends on how they do the voting. Like, if they just pick a name out of it, it's like if they can, if each player only gets to name one player, then that can make weird results. Yeah. Um, but if it's done over the full season, I mean, Pittard, we, we know, we saw in the best and fairest results, and you know, Pittard started really strong. Um, and then maybe it got split around after that, if they're doing round by round. I, I don't know. I don't know how the voting was done, so that's yeah. a tricky one. Yeah. Most improved, I would have thought Youngy might have been uh, the better shot at that. But I guess um, someone on the forum um, posted a, a fair point, which was that uh, Pitar went from good to excellent, whereas um, some of the other players went from sort of ordinary to good. So maybe they've looked at it um, in that regard. Yeah, look, I mean, when you talk about player progress, we, we sort of mentally perceive it as being a linear progression. But the reality is that going from good to excellent is bloody hard, uh, and it's a lot harder than going from fringe to in the first twenty-two. Yeah, um, that's right. It's you've got you're right at the pointy end doing that. I mean, Jasper Pittard was in the All Australian forty uh, on the back mm. of the season, so you know. Hmm. Very true, Porsche. You raise a very good argument there. Oh, thank you, thank you. No I'm very proud. Yeah. <laughs> 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 right. Let's uh, go on and talk about our player reviews. We're going to spread these out over the next uh, seven or eight weeks. Um, the theme for this evening is the prime cut. So we've pretty much picked um, all the best players or all the key players, I guess you would say, on our list at the moment. We've got six players here. Our first one off the rank is uh, Ollie Wines, who's uh, 21 years old, fourth season on the list, played 22 games, kicked 11 goals, Averaged uh, 26 touches, 4 inside 50s, and 6 clearances a game. Uh, also averaged um, over 6 score involvements as well. 
Uh, average career highs right across the board in disposals, inside 50s, clearances, contested possessions, tackles, and uh, maybe most importantly also clangers as well. I think he recorded the most clanger kicks ever recorded uh, in the <laughs> AFL. Uh, how did you see his year, Porsche? Look, I mean, it was a real development year in a lot of respects, and it sounds and it comes back to what we were just talking about with good to excellent. Um, in that we sort of don't necessarily perceive that players in the first 22 are having development years, but I think that's what we really saw with Oli. Um, he came home really strong towards the end of the year. Uh, I don't think, if you, statistically, I'm not sure that his performance changed all that much from earlier games, but in terms of his real impact on the game, I think it was a noticeable difference. Um, but look, he's just had a really consistent season. He's had a bit of a grind, and I think he's been caught up with the whole, um, gee, maybe we're not as good as we thought we were thing that yeah. everyone in the team's been caught up with. Um, you know, and that, that's not an excuse. It certainly isn't. But it takes time to get over it. And unlike a few others, I think he did. So good yeah. on him. Yeah, look, I thought he was good to very good this year. Um, yeah. Disposal obviously was poor at times. Uh, maybe rushes his kicks a little bit, a little bit rushes his handballs at times um, in packs. But overall, he was just a, well, probably our most consistent player for the season on a week-to-week basis. And yeah, he was kicking a fair few goals early in the season, but as you said, he he spent a bit more time um, right in the guts uh, for the last couple of months and, and just churned out huge numbers week after week. Yeah, and look, those clanger numbers are probably a bit concerning. Um, it, it does make interesting though. Uh, we, it's unfair. There's a really rough time to bring up the comparison, but like, um, I just read Jay Viney. He won the best and fairest for Melbourne this year, um, so that's interesting how he has had a, a slower development than Wines, and I think that Wines can still catch him up and be a better player over time, but um, if you look back at how he's played with us these last couple of years, it feels maybe a little bit like we let him, because it was convenient for us to do it at the time, we let him probably be a bit more play your own game um, in the first couple of years, and now he's really sort of becoming more a team game player, which, not to say he didn't put in team efforts when it was required, but that the focus of the whole of how he plays is changing, I think. A lot of people have been uh, highly critical of his season due to his poor disposal. And as I said, he now holds the AFL record for most clanger kicks in the season. But do you think the criticism of him is justified or do you think the good outweighed the bad this year? Uh, look, um, what the stat I'd really like to look at, and I, I wish I had looked it up now, um, is how that clanger rate compares to clearances. Um, because, I mean, he's, he's had a really... He's playing right in the guts all game. Yep. You know, he's he's not an inside and outside player. You don't get to see him very often do a little run around half forward and kick in inside 50 under no pressure. Like, he's never doing that. Um, so you're always going to have... Those players are always going to be the highest in clangers, you know. Um, that's traditional throughout AFL since they started recording clangers. So, oh, for sure, yeah. Um, I think that's part of it. <clears throat> um, obviously, there are things to work on in his game, and obviously, you know, our structures might help in that regard. We have commented in previous podcasts about how our outside receiving players in Polek, White, um, and I suppose now probably Amon and or Impey, um, you know, they've not been available or they've been in terrible form and that impacts on your ability to have a kick received and not be a clanger as well. So Yeah. It's a bit of a strange stat clangers. I mean... It is. It doesn't really account for... I guess it's similar to 1%ers where that's basically a defender's stat, 1%ers, because it's just like spoils and all that sort of stuff. But clang is pretty much... If you're making a clang, you're pretty much only an inside mid, really. <laughs> because you're rushing your disposal, you're getting it out there. Um, half the time it's good, half the time it might you know, go to an opponent. But 
Um, look, his clearance stats were, were outstanding this year. He was first at the club in um, in clearances as well as disposals and tackles and inside fifties. He was eighth across the AFL in clearances, uh, seventh across the AFL in contested possessions as well, and that's certainly going to um, up the uh, the clangers as well. But uh, it's funny that um, he's got the most clanger kicks ever recorded, but he only finished second in clangers this year. Yeah, well, you've got to remember also, unless they've changed the definition in recent years, but back in the day, Clangers definitely included free kicks against. Yeah, it still does. Yeah. 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 So, so Dustin that's... Martin had more Clangers this year, but he also had, I think, double the freeze against as what, uh, as yeah. what Ollie did. So. Yeah, so that's a huge part of it. And that's also why Ruckman get caught up in as well. Um, you know, even though they're not necessarily inside, they get the Clangers played against them because, you know, Ruck freeze. Yeah. Oh, look, he was frustrating at, at times this year, but uh, overall, I think the critis- uh, criticism of him is maybe a little bit harsh. I think um, you know, he was just about the only inside midfielder we had who was consistently getting the ball out there week after week after week. And you know, he was hitting the scoreboard. Um, I thought he had a really, really good year. Um, I think if he would have um, won the best and fairest, it would have been well-deserved. And I think um, you know, second place or wherever he finished was, uh, was right up there and, and well-deserved as well. Yeah, no, I think that Ollie would definitely have to be pretty happy with his year. Um, he's, you know, he's not far away. What is it that Rick would say? 5% from greatness. Um, yep. He's probably around about there right now. So um, Shameless yeah. plug. <laughs> he, should be, he should be paying me for these. <laughs> yeah, but Tom, no, he's had a good season. Good on him. And I'm glad he's still with us next year as well. Absolutely. So what does next year hold uh, for Ollie and... Where do you think he can improve, and, and can he actually improve? Um, I think, well, he, yes, he can improve. Um, like we, like I said earlier, he, you know, he's, um, his game in the last few games improved enormously in terms of his actual impact, and if we can keep that up for longer, that'll be great. Uh, and hopefully the midfield will be restructured around him differently. Hopefully the addition of Ryder to the ruck setups will make his role a bit easier. It'll provide more space around the taps, perhaps, for him to work in. Um, when we know that the, we're not having to frustrate every tap and just make it a, a ground ball. Um, yeah, I'd say that's probably the main areas. And then hopefully, you know, if we get guys like Matt White and Jared Pollock playing well and all that stuff and uh, other guys keep coming in and, you know, we're talking about maybe Hamish Hartlett will go on a half forward flank, ha-ha, um, things like what, that, you know. <laughs> Who knows? Um, yeah. Yeah, so who knows? We'll, we'll find out, but... Um, I think look, there's a lot of areas he can improve and some of them are going to be coaching, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, look, I think he can improve as well, no doubt. Look, obviously, mm. if he um, if he cleans up his disposal a little bit, he's going to be a much better player. And, uh, you know, I think um, the sky's still the limit for Ollie. He can certainly be an All-Australian standard footballer. Um, you know, I think he's got Brownlow potential in him if uh, if things go his way. Uh, do you think he might be a little bit too big? Do you think he needs to trim back down a little bit? Uh, well, it's always going to vary depending on the way we play. Um, I don't know. I mean, if he trimmed down, what would it get him? What do you reckon it would do? I don't understand that criticism. Uh, I think at times, especially through the first half of the year, he looked like he was labouring. To, to get across the ground quite uh, quite dramatically, I thought. Mm. And you look still, you know, you look at um, you look at his time on ground stats, and he's still pretty well the lowest time on ground midfielder that we've got. You know, you look at um, some of the other players that we're going to be talking about there in the eighties, eighty five percent. 
Um, and Ollie's still only at 74%. So he's pretty much on the bench for a whole quarter per game. Um, Ollie's so a racehorse, isn't he? You mm. know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have an opinion I on that one. Usually, I'm I, I think for an inside mid, usually you would expect them to be on the ground more than an outsider would be. But um... And there's also the fact that, like, you know, as far as muscle gain, like, that happens in off-season. And as soon as round one starts, they start losing muscle definition and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, because of their energy use and all that sort of stuff. So maybe it's just a thing you accept that with a, a you know a genuine, constantly contested ball winner that they're going to be a bit slow and bulky at the start of every season. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, on to the next player, Chad Wingard, 23 years old, fifth season on the list, uh, played 18 games, kicked 38 goals, averaged uh, three inside 57 score involvements a game. Uh, same question, Porsche, how did you see his season? Look, I don't know. Um, I think if he has a season like this year again next year, everyone will be asking questions. But I think the fact that this is sort of his first really kind of down season, he's got enough. He's done. He's got enough runs on the board to get a bit of slack. Yep. Um, you know, in terms of his goal kicking, he's done all right. But what's been missing has been, for a large part, what's been missing has been the game turning play. Uh, he's had a bit, um, but not as much as we'd would usually expect from him and not as much as we'd usually hope for from him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, look, obviously it was a big step down from his uh, wonderful Old Australian season in 2015, but I still thought, especially through the second half of the season, he was um, very good and quite consistent. Uh, From rounds 7 to 17, he averaged 17 touches and two and a half goals a game. Uh, But also probably had, uh, you know, four or five games this year where he had, you know, pretty minimal impact um, and when you combine that on top of missing four games, um, you know, for him to not impact for nearly half a season is something we probably weren't expecting as a club. Yeah. Um, now, before you ask me this question, I'm going to ask it of you, Macca. Why? <laughs> why what? Well, why, why do you think he's not been able to impact as much this season as previously? Uh, I don't know. I, when I think of Chad at his best, I think of a player that, um, you know, sort of 50-50 runs through the midfield and spends time up forward, can get his 20-25 touches and kick a couple of goals a game. I think when he's left pretty much solely up forward, I don't I don't particularly like that. No. Um, I think there's um, there might be genuine reasons why that happened this year, certainly uh, on the injury front. Mm. Uh, but I think he's at his best when he's um, spending a lot more time in the midfield and he pretty much spent no time in the midfield at all this year. So... Uh, I think that's um, that's a, a big part of why he uh, maybe had a bit of a downturn this year. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think I'm kind of forming an opinion um, that's taken me obviously quite some time to form, which is that there's some guys in your side that are genuine competitors, and if they're placed in a position where they don't feel they can influence the game, they are not great. Uh, and I think Jackson Trengo really showed himself, like that's the story of Jackson Trengo, and I guess we'll get to that. Um, is that he's showed how much of a competitor he is. And we know Wingard's a competitor. And if he's spending a lot of time on the forward line and the ball's not coming near him or he's not getting to get involved in the in the guts occasionally, then he's exactly the sort of guy that'll feel like he's not going to be able to have that impact on the game that he wants to, that he that he needs to do to feel good about how he is as a player. So um, I think that could be part of it as well. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think there's any validity in that thought? I think so, yep. Yep. I think... Um... Look, he's, he's obviously a match winner. He's got a lot of X factor. Um, if he feels he can't impact the contest, then maybe he does go back into his shell a little bit. 
Mm. And we know he's um, he's a great uh, clutch player, so it's certainly not um, anything to do with that. But um, yeah, I don't, right. I don't know. Maybe you you might be onto something. But I think um, for me, certainly his lack of midfield time across the whole season was uh, was pretty frustrating and. Uh, Especially in games when we were struggling in the midfield and we've got Chad Wingard sitting in a forward pocket, you know, <laughs> miles away from the play, not really impacting anything at all. But do you think this is a flow-on effect uh, from his concussions and something that we might have to get used to? Uh, look, it could be. Um, yeah, it, it, it could be something like that. Um, it could be that, in effect, this year has been a recuperation year, maybe, and he'll be back to normal next year. But it's just hard to know, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, this is for me. It's kind of gone. Um, it's, it's kind of interchanged. You know, he sort of had a, had a quiet first year, all Australian second year, was a little bit down in his third, all Australian fourth, a little bit down in his fifth. Yeah, I think yeah. that means he's going to win the Brownlow next year. But well, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? it would. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't have the answers on Wingard. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure, and I guess the coaches don't either. So, mm. look, um, can we win a premiership with Chad playing solely as a forward? Uh, well, I mean, if you gave him the GWS right now, you'd know they'd definitely be able to win a premiership with him doing it. So, mm. uh, answer is a team could, yes. Can we? Probably not. No, I think he's but, too important playing through the midfield. Um, well, we just don't have enough hopes. We can't afford to have our most talented player, um, and uh, that's maybe a big call <laughs> now that I say it, but, you know, arguably, let's say arguably our most talented player uh, not involved in the game all the time. Yeah. Look, well, I think he's an absolute elite midfielder, and if he was to spend 100% of his time there, I think he'd become an absolute superstar midfielder and an All-Australian regular there as well. So, um, certainly if we can get him back to playing 50-50 again, that'd be, that'd be wonderful. Um, do you think he might have been the player that suffered most from our poor skills and, and poor inside 50 entries? Uh, certainly the entries. Um, but, I mean, he's always been a player that makes his own opportunities in a lot of respects anyway. Um, there's a good comment just relating to your previous point uh, on the Spreaker chat from Power808 saying to take a look at the replay of week one. He played heaps of midfield minutes but didn't go back there after his concussion, um, which is, yeah, that's, that seems pretty right. Yeah. Um, look, I, I guess you'd have to say that's a part of it, but then the question becomes, okay, well, if we're realizing that our inside fifties are not getting to Chad, don't you move Chad to, you know, close to the midfield? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I would have liked him. Look, fair enough. If they didn't want him in the midfield, getting bashed around a bit, fair enough. Yeah. But like wing half forward or but, something. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could have played him as a high half forward sort of thing. Yeah, um, and we probably wouldn't have um, lost anything because of it. Um, well, he, he had some excellent games this year, no doubt about that. He was wonderful in round one. He he was obviously great against Brisbane in round nineteen, kicked five goals. And I said he had that purple patch mid season where he was uh, kicking two or three goals every week. So that's the sort of chat that we'd like to see. And uh, um, what does two thousand seventeen have in store? Uh, well, this has come, kind of come down to our, our difference of opinion, Macker, in that I think it's a down year and you think it's going to be a, a good year, I think. That's where we were settled at, wasn't it? Yep. Um, so, you know, if it's your, if you're right, 
uh, he'll be a very big part of it. And if we're not, then I think we'll probably see him have a similar year to this year where he feels he's not able to impact on games enough and he might not produce because of it. Yeah. Look, he still led the club goal-kicking this year. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he, yeah. he was kicking goals. Oh, we know that. Um, yeah, absolutely. He was, look, he was doing that. He was doing all the stuff. He was doing that stuff that you want, that you sort of require the position, but there was just... You know, those elements from his game that make him a superstar as opposed to just a star, we're not there. Yeah, for sure. Look, I think he can uh, get back to his old Australian best next year, and I'd be looking at 50 goals. That's um, that's the mark that I want him to hit and uh, get back to playing some midfield minutes, and uh, I'd really love him to uh, average 20-2 and two at some point, and uh, I think next year might be it. I hope you're right. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, third player is uh, Robbie Gray, uh, 28 years old, 10th season at Port Adelaide. Where did that time go? Um, played 19 games, kicked 25 goals, averaged 26 disposals over six clearances, four tackles, four inside 50s, and eight score involvements a game. Porsche, how did you see his year, and was he unlucky not to get um, in the All-Australian squad? Good, yes. Um <laughs> Uh, basically, the, the you know where did all that time go? I think that we all know where the time went, and that is that time went into, into we are not in finals for the most part, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, he's won his third best and fairest this year, which is a bloody fantastic record. They said it wasn't done, and the last time it was done, what, in the 1890s or something? Yeah. Um, that's an amazing record to have for any player. Um, it's just a shame it's sort of come through a pretty lean patch for us, but his his consistency has been incredible. Um, he's always there. He even when he looks like he's not interested, he's still producing. Um, although admittedly, could argue he always looks like he's not all that interested. Yeah. Um, he, he's he's a very casual player. It's it's kind of good. Um, maybe that means he's a future CEO. <laughs> <laughs> could, be. Uh, could be, could be. Uh, look, I mean, he's had a, a fantastic season. He's comfortably our best player. Let's be realistic. I mean, you could make a case for Jasper, but he just didn't have that consistency at the end of the year. Ollie Wines came good, I reckon, later in the year. Uh, Travis spoke. We'll get to Travis, but Robbie, he's been right up there and he should be pretty proud of what he's done. Yeah. Well, he had a couple of uh, poor games as well. I mean, he only oh, had yeah. 11 touches against Geelong, seven touches against Sydney. There was there was two or three games where he had zero impact. And I guess the, the part of his game that I didn't enjoy this year, which is only a small part, was the fact that, especially early in the season, he, he looked like he was getting really frustrated and was uh, lashing out at his opponents and... Um, I think there was about three games in a row where he had um, incidents looked at by the AFL Tribunal, uh, which is something that you haven't really seen from Robbie before. Yeah, look, I mean, I guess on the scale of bad on-field behaviour, at least lashing out at opponents comes above lashing out at teammates like you saw at Richmond all those times. Yeah. Um, You you can understand that frustration. I think that we all had that frustration as fans, you know, in those games that he was doing that because we could all see our season going down the toilet and our estimation of where we were at rapidly deteriorating. Um, You know, you'd have to say, if you're Robbie Gray right now, you're probably thinking, I'm not going to finish my career with a premiership. Um, And that's pretty rough to think, you know. And I don't think any player would appreciate thinking that. Yeah, Um, most players would, though. Most players would would think that, absolutely. And most players would finish their career without a premiership. Yeah, absolutely. But then there's a difference between knowing that as a stat and then realising, well, I'm contracted. <laughs> I'm contracted. I'm here. I'm the best player, and we're not near it. You know, like, that. That for a superstar player, that would be pretty disempowering, I'd imagine. Yeah. 
Mm. Oh, look, his great games this year were absolutely fantastic. His poor games were um, not so great, but um, he was pretty much best on ground in all our wins, really, and Mm. uh, should get a lot of Brownlow votes because of that. Yeah, it's kind of ironic that a guy that couldn't make the All-Australian side is probably right up there for the Brownlow. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I would think he should be getting at least 15 votes this year and, you know, possibly pushing into the 20s. Yeah, look, I mean, I think really only Pittard was probably likely to take votes away um, because the other guys, you know, that we would say performed well and not really consistent Brownlow vote getters, I wouldn't have thought for the most part. Boke's probably, Boke's a distant third, I'd say. But Pittard, he plays that kind of game that I guess the umpires are more likely to notice. Um, but really, I mean, this is Robbie's best chance for Brownlow yet, I think, this year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he was third in disposals, uh, first in average uh, disposals for us, fourth in goals, fifth in tackles, third in inside 50s, and also goal assists, and second in clearances. Um, there's a good question by Dylan um, from Big Footy, which was, uh, where does Robbie sit amongst the all-time Port Adelaide greats? Good question. Uh... I don't know. I mean, he'd have to make the team of the... He'd probably make the all-time team, wouldn't he? Put him in a forward pocket. An AFL level... Well, certainly, absolutely. Oh, yeah, but like an all-time 1870 till now team, I reckon he'd be pretty close to making it, wouldn't he? Come on, three-time best and fairest. He's a fantastic player. He'd at least be able to make a forward pocket. Yeah, I think... uh, uh, Yeah, you're probably right, to be honest. I, I would think so, yeah. Look, he's definitely in the top five at AFL level. For sure, oh, with, uh, with yeah. Treaders, Gav, uh, Kane, and, and probably Lady. I think uh, Gray's right up there. Yeah. Um, I think he probably needs a premiership next to his name to be talked about overall across the entire history. Um, but yeah. yeah, I could certainly see him squeezing into a forward pocket in the all-time team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I reckon he'd be, oh, look, I reckon there's room for him there too. So yeah. that was my, my answer. Dylan, big Cole, uh, only below Treadray for AFL, maybe Gav as well. Yeah, I'd yeah, I'd say so. I can't think of anyone I'd I'd slot in above those three. Yeah, oh, I'd say Kane probably. Nah, for his consistency. Yeah. Oh come on, mate! You don't make an all-time team for consistency. Well, Kane would also make probably make the all-time Port Adelaide team too. Oh, what? Well, no four, way! Four best and fairest, two all Australians, premiership, almost won a Norm Smith, uh, yeah, three hundred but... games. Come on. Um, Come on. We all like to bash Kane around, but he was a fantastic player for Port Adelaide. Which team, okay, which other club's team of all time has a tagger? Well, probably Geelong with uh, Cameron Lee. Oh, you reckon? Yeah. I reckon that's a big call. I would say Western Bulldogs with uh, Libber. Libber probably, but he he was not a tagger when he won a Brownlow. I'd say Adelaide Crows with Tyson Stengline, maybe. Let's be. Everyone's having a crack on the bloody uh, Spreaker chat now, but come on, let's be serious. Three hundred games, four-time best and fairest, two-time All Australian. There's not many players that we've played uh, that we've had that have that sort of record. Look, I'll be honest. If they're naming a team of the century in 2100 or whenever it happens, hmm. they'll look at the stats and you'll get a place. Absolutely. But yeah. knowing him as a player and having seen him play, I very much doubt he should be in that side. Underrated. Very underrated. 
Oh, well, okay, let's both live for another hundred years and then we'll make the call. <laughs> I'll be happy if I, if I live another five. I oh, that's sad. <laughs> well, look, let's get back to Robbie instead of talking about cane corns. Um, mm. As I said, we, we saw Robbie lose his call a few times this year. He had a couple of incidents looked at, um, something like four times in the first half of the year. Uh, what was the cause of that? What do you think was his cause for frustration? I think I kind of answered that one. Did you? <laughs> well, you know, he's the best player inside. We seem to be going down the toilet and he's going to be here until he retires pretty much. Is that a um, genuine reason to start re- lashing out at opponents? Uh, I don't think it's a reason in itself, but there's no doubt also he's you know heavily targeted by opponents. We know that. Um there's never an excuse for lashing out, but if you want a, a reason for it, like say, well, why would this player be in having this sort of run? Like that kind of realization is exactly the sort of reason that might underlie the actual reasons that sort of triggered it on field. Mm. Um, you know, there's no doubt. This is the, I would say there's a lot of frustrated guys at the, in the port side this year, heaps of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's there's ones that are lucky to have been playing as many games as they have, and they're lucky to be on the list. And then equally, there's a bunch that are you know still really good players that should be probably a bit shitty about this season, quite frankly, and that they've been let down by teammates. And Robbie Gray is absolutely at the top of that list. Yeah. So, what do you think his best position is? Uh Or instead of position, what's his best role in the team? His best role in the team is to play midfield. Uh, primarily, and then do little stints up forward to mess with the opposition's matchups. Yeah, I would agree a hundred percent with that. Do you think Robbie is a player that also suffered from wing guards' uh, lack of midfield time this year? Yeah, I reckon that's pretty fair. Well, like I said, I mean he was pretty much the top target every game. So yeah, I think that's that's the. A huge thing when uh, when we can't push Wingard through the midfield is uh, giving Robbie that rest up forward because we know he's so dangerous up forward as well. Um, give him half a chance, he'll kick four or five goals. Um, and I think that's um, that's something that's super important for our premiership chances as well, to be honest. And uh, as I said, hopefully Wingard gets some more midfield minutes next year and that means that Robbie can uh, get back to kicking 40 goals um, in a season again. Hopefully so. Mm. Mm. If both of those kick 40, happy days. That's 80. <laughs> happy days. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Uh, so, yeah, what do you want to see from Robbie next year? Um, I want to see him play the same, basically. <laughs> Look, if he has another season like Just keep doing what last... you're doing, Robbie. Yeah, pretty good. much. Just go out there, keep, keep doing what you're doing. We like you. Um, and, you know... Uh, maybe quietly tell your teammates to lift their game a bit, eh? <laughs> Could do. Right, next player, Jackson Tringove, one of our friends of the podcast here. He's 25 years old, eighth season on the list. Uh, 21 games this year for five goals. Averaged uh, 15 disposals, 11 hitouts, and four clearances a game. Um, it was a new role this year for, uh, for Jackson Tringove. Um, how did you think uh, he performed? I loved Jackson Trangove this year as soon as he went in ruck. Um, and, you know, I think that that little argument I had with him on the podcast about his position, I think that tells you that he loves the fact that he's in there competing for the in, in a role where he can actually impact the game as opposed to sort of being a lockdown centre-half back or something, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it just really, I think, 
personality-wise, you'd have to imagine that Jackson and Matt Lobby don't have heaps in common. Mm. <laughs> well, I think, he... uh, I think Trengove is a player that thrives on leadership and thrives yeah. on having pressure put on him. I think competition, that's when he performs his best. Being a competitor and being aggressive and all those things, you know, like that's that's what we'd want to talk about. You know, we've had the much maligned Port Adelaide football in the last couple of years, and that is Port Adelaide football. There's always, you know, coming to every contest and having a crack, even if you're outmanned and outgunned, you know, you go in there and you try your hardest and you make something happen. And that's been exactly what Jackson Trengove did the second he went in the centre. Yep. Um, been a fantastic year for him. Um, those averages he stated before that obviously impacted uh, by the fact that he, you know, played between two positions during his season. But yep. look, you look at his hit-out totals, they're okay. Uh, but more importantly, when you look at his clearance totals, they're bloody amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Although he had some absolutely fantastic games when he moved into the um, moved into the right. I thought he was playing pretty well down back as well. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, um, oh, yeah, yeah. I thought no, uh, no I thought he had some great games. Obviously. He, his, um, his landmark game against Brisbane in round mm. seven, where he thrashed Steph Martin, got 25 touches and uh, 13 clearances. Followed that up late in the year against Brisbane with 25 touches, two goals and 15 clearances, just to go one step better. Um, yeah, he was great. Uh, also against Richmond, um, he absolutely hammered Ivan Marich, um, which pretty much has ended his career just about. Um, the and obviously the game against North Melbourne against uh, Todd Goldstein as well, where he just absolutely hammered him physically and um, and totally put him off his game. And that was just about his best performance of the season. Yeah, and um, look, I mean, the, the really, if you're looking, if you want to go to see his uh, best stat this year, it has to be contested possession. Like it just went through the roof, you know. That yeah. second Brisbane game, twenty contested possessions. Like how often does anyone other than a, a like an Ollie Wines get something like that? He has just been an absolute beast in terms of, you know, taking it to every contest when he's been playing, and it's been fantastic to see. Yeah. Uh, and similarly, it was disappointing to see that those opportunities dissipated as we played Matt Lobby. So, mm. Mm. Yes, indeed. Um, he had some poor games throughout the year. He got thrashed oh, by yeah. Matty Cruiser, um, was well beaten against the Dogs, uh, against Frio as well. But uh, for the most part, he was, um, he was great and a real breath of fresh air, I thought, through that midfield. Uh, Bevan's asked a question on the speaker chat. Can you see him playing the old Ruck Rover role next year? Uh, look, I don't know. Um, and the reason I don't know is that I think a lot of what made Jackson good this year, and it might be that it's not actually able to be repeated next year if people look at how he plays. Um, it wasn't a finesse role. Like a Ruck Rover for me is always a skilled player. Yeah. Um, and for me... Jackson Trengo's activity in the midfield has sort of more been like fear, uh, I'd classify as furious attack dog. Um, it's not always with something in mind by the way he does it, but he's always in there and he'll just keep hammering and hammering and getting it, getting at the ball as much as he possibly can. So I think that's yeah. a different kind of role to Rock Rover for sure. Yeah, I probably wouldn't expect to see him in that sort of role next year at all. No, no, no. I don't think that suits him. I think. As you said, he sort of uh, he wins a lot of his clearances by getting his body behind the ball and just sort of ramming forward and yeah, yeah. getting the ball as soon as it hits the turf. And um, as it's you an said, unusual well, role. If, if you know? you're playing more of a midfielder's role, you've got to be a bit more agile. Uh, you've got to read the play a bit more and, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I, I don't expect him to play any sort of midfield role except for um, sort of um, playing in the ruck. But uh, how much ruck time do you think he's going to get next year? Uh, ask our list manager. I've got no idea. <laughs> no, seriously, like it's going to come down entirely to who our ruckman are next year. You know. Yeah. Um. Is does Ryder come back fit? 
do we get rid of Matt Lovey? Do we bring someone else in? Um, you know, does Billy Frampton have an explosive year or does he do nothing? Uh, all these sort of pretty valid questions. And then the other question is on the coaches is do we keep playing Mr. Ruckman or do we find a, a different sort of role, you know? Yeah. Um, do we play him as sort of a um, a Chad Cornsey type? And I don't mean Chad Corns in the intercept mark kind of way, but a Chad Cornsey type and then he sort of will float between centre-half back and centre-half forward, yeah. um, playing that kind of bruising, uh, force your way through, uh, the thing that everyone always said about John Butcher, bring the ball to ground, uh, you know, that sort of role and just basically make contests wherever we need him at the time. I think there'd be a lot of value for keeping him, you know, calling his position interchange and then using him in that sort of role to provide a, a contested impact tall where we utility. need it on the field. Yeah, yeah. tall utility. It's just tall utility for me always means um, terrible player, but I think in this case <laughs> it might actually be quite good. The old Lee Brown sort of role. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of tall utilities, and I'm not going to go list them all, but they <laughs> I can't think of any that are particularly good. I guess the closest that was excellent and that maybe is a benchmark, but that's a, bit, a very ambitious goal would be Adam Goods. He was a tall utility, oh, yeah. and he was pretty... He was a tall utility. It's exactly he was what a he reasonable was. player, I guess. Yeah, he was pretty good. But a couple of years, were okay. But... To say Tringo comes close to that, probably not, yeah. but he... he it's a similar kind of role. Let's get so what saying. would your ultimate Trengove role be next year? Would it be that sort of interchange yeah. role? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, I think we've, we've really discovered, and we'd seen it in previous years when he was playing centre-half back and he was playing that really you know, sort of tough backman role. Like, he loves the contest. And if he's fit enough to do it, you know, if he's not getting injured or whatever else is doing it along the way, bloody hell, why not play him there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> smashing the big bodies alongside Ollie Wines. You know, I think that certainly is not a bad thing to do, or smashing big bodies in the forward line, um, clearing the way for a Charlie Dixon to come through or a, a Paddy Ryder to take his mark on the lead or whatever else, whatever, wherever we need him. You know, he's, we know now he has the awareness to play on the field in those sorts of roles. So yeah. um, if he has a good preseason and doesn't have any leg injuries or something, then I've got no doubt that that would be a pretty good role for him. Yeah. Can we make a Ryder Tringove ruck partnership work? Uh, yep, I think he makes a good alternative uh, as a second ruck because of his very different ruck style. So you do have a bit of um, ability to mix it up. Um, so Ryder, obviously, more the classical tap ruckman um, that can, you know, has actually you kick to when he's in the middle of the field by himself. Uh, and then Tringove is more of a let's mix it up and confuse the opponent rucks. Mm. I almost wouldn't mind seeing Jackson play as a loose man down back sort of thing. Is that sort of... I think I'd define it differently. But... Yeah, it's probably not the, the right definition, but um, mm. the old sort of kick behind the play sort of role. I would call it an impact player role. Yeah. That's why I'm, that's why I'm talking more Chad Corns than, you know, um, Hamish Hartlett. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing Trengove do the, the ruck work sort of backward of centre and Ryder yeah. do the ruck work forward of centre once uh, once the centre bounce is actually over and done with. Mm. Um, I think oh, I would like to see Trengove play up forward. I think he'd be um, quite successful in that third tall forward role yeah. um, and being able to do that as well. So look, I don't know. There's so many different options with what we can do with Jackson Trengove next year and um, it's hopefully great, the club um, picks the right one. Look, I mean, that's a thing we've talked about on the podcast before is how important it is to have players in your side that can play multiple roles. We've been caught in the past having too many specialists. 
um, and that's damaged us. Yeah. But having a guy like Trengo, particularly a tall, big guy like Trengo, that you can sort of, you know, play him in different spots. I mean, that's hugely valuable from a, a tactical perspective. Yeah. Um, and if he's used right, there's no reason why he couldn't be the best and fairest next year um, if the coach is using correctly and he manages sure. to keep fit. Um, Especially we'll with Ryder to... as well, who's basically the same in that he can play every position on the park, basically. Yeah, but in a different way, which is useful. Mm. Like they're not a cl- they're not clones. No, they're not. No, that's mm. right. So, going to be interesting to see what happens there next year for sure. I'm excited. It's going to be am. good. Very, very. On to our captain, Travis Boke, 28 Trav. years old, tenth season on the list. Played every game this year. 22 games, 17 goals, 24 disposals, four tackles, four inside fifties, four clearances a game. How did you see the captain in uh, 2016, Porsche? Gee, we. <sighs> This is a really tough one, you know? Like, he's had some horrible moments and he's had some pretty good moments. I don't think there are a lot of games that I would say he was legitimately excellent. Um, I think he was certainly top five in a whole bunch. Yep. Um, but if you're going to say, ah, oh, that was a... Like, if I couldn't pinpoint a game this year that I'd say, that one, that was the Travis Boat game. Like, I'm not sure I, I could do that. Maybe oh, he was great against Brisbane. I thought he was yeah. pretty good against GWS as well. Um, GWS he was great against good. Richmond. Probably GWS, I guess, of those. Yeah. Look, I think, um, like Ollie, I think Travis was put under a lot of scrutiny and criticism all year. Oh, yeah. and, uh, do you think sure. it was warranted? Uh, look, I mean, I think that when you've got the number one on your back, you always merit a bit more scrutiny than other players do. Um, because you not only expected to be a good player and perform for yourself, but also as a, a model for the team to base around, you need to be doing all the right things with your own play. Otherwise, you lose credibility in the eyes of the other teammates, even though no one will admit it and no one will say it. But it definitely happens for sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that the criticism he's copped is probably over the top, but that's the way media works, right? You know, um, if, if you had a well, bad time and been... you had a horrific Some time. Some calls for like people calling to trade him and you know, all this sort of stuff oh. and he's finished. And you know, I think it's a load of rubbish, to be honest. Yeah, well, look, I agree. Um, he's not, you don't trade your captain. And that's not... No, that, certainly I, don't. That doesn't sound like a Porsche thing to say, um, but the reality is you don't because uh, unless they're an absolutely terrible person, you have to you know basically sack your entire off field. Then your captain's always someone that's been there a while. Uh, they have shown leadership qualities, and you know when he's been there as long as Trevor Spoke has, and they're still performing at a level better than a bunch of other players in the team. Um, you, you don't get rid of him. That's just destroying your side. So you, no. Absolutely. Look, I thought he was unfairly criticised for much of the year. I think um, maybe his skills were a little bit down at the start of the year, but overall, I thought he had a, a good year. Not a great year, but a good year. Yeah, um, yeah. Certainly, his back end of the season, I thought, was excellent. I thought he was exceptionally consistent um, after the bye. Um, there was a few games before the bye where he was a little bit um, down against Frio, against Carlton, um, you know, maybe round one against St Kilda as well, but he's always been a bit of a slow starter. Um, he start, he did actually start the season playing more on a flank than through the midfield. Um, do you think this was a bit of a misstep by the coaching staff? Yeah, probably. Um, it's one of those things, another thought I had, which is I'm going to do a Rick here and go on a, a weird diversion. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about captain's goals, like that's a captain's goal. 
Um, but the reality is, you know, when your captain's a midfielder that's not playing at half forward, then your captain's goals aren't going to happen. You need captain's clearances and things like that, like inspirational moments in the midfield. And I'd argue maybe that's where he's maybe a bit lacking. He's a solid contributor all year. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe that period on a flank was to let him free up and get good touch before going into the middle later in the year. Maybe that was the idea behind it. Um, but if the centre square guys aren't performing well enough to make the attention not be on Boke, then it's not going to work. So, Yeah. Um, I think we might have done that assuming uh, guys like Archie and Sam Gray were going to stand up. Um, yeah. And Sam Gray had a, a reasonable year, especially later on. Yep. Um, Archie didn't at all. Tank. Um, and I think that was uh, probably where the misstep was. I think we might have thought that, uh, you know, putting Boke on a forward flank where... He spent a lot of time on a forward flank in 2013, and he was bloody brilliant that year. He was he had one of the best captain's years of uh, that, that we've ever seen for Port Adelaide, and I think they were ho- trying to hope that um, if if Sam and and uh, and Archie could could stand up and uh, and fill that void through the midfield, then having Travis on a forward flank would be um, would be absolutely great for us. But uh, it didn't work out that way. And look, I mean, the other thing you've got to factor in is the idea that at the start of the year, the coaching staff clearly thought Matthew Lobby was a ruckman. Um, and that's that was reflected in our midfield setups. You know, we weren't setting up to lose every tap like we did later in the year. We were setting up expecting to win a decent number to advantage, and that wasn't happening. And so anyone playing on a half-forward flank, when that's happening, is going to have a hard time. There's no yeah. doubt. Um, so I think that's part of it too. For sure. We've clearly performed well under expectation the last two years. Yep. We've struggled to get up week to week. We've had no consistency in the side at all. Mm. Should Travis retain the captaincy next year? Um, look, I mean, you've got to look at the reasons for why that is an issue, why we have had those issues. Um, I don't think if I was looking for someone to carry the count, I don't think it'd be Travis. Yeah. Um, I don't think it... Yeah, <laughs> realistically, I don't think it would be. Um, you could make a case for it, but what would, what would improve if you did? Like, I'm not, I'm not sure that... Like, if you, if you give Ollie Wines the captaincy, then that's going to put that expectation on him at a time when he's still learning the game. If you give it to Jasper Pittard, maybe it could be all right. Um, if you give it to Brad Ebert, yeah, he's a good bloke, but, you know, if he's... <laughs> it's pretty easy to criticise Brad Ebert at times this year as well. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, who who do you nominate? Who do you make the captain? You don't make Chad Wingard the captain after this season. Um yeah. And I mean, arguably, Trango. it's yeah, Trango. What kind of, yeah, you know, he's he's we haven't worked out what he's doing next year in his role. Yeah. Um, and Robbie Gray, well, yeah, you could make him captain, but is he a captaincy type? You know, he's not really been in contention in previous years. So, uh, look, I mean, I think that Travis Boak stays on a bit longer until we have a more clear candidate for the role. Yep. I'm happy for him to stay one more year and, and see what yeah. happens. Um, if we yep. miss the finals next year, then it's uh, there's going to be a whole world of changes, I think, at the club. So, Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. What do you want to see from Bokey next year? I'd really like to see him be in a position to have more, what I just talked about, captain's clearances. Like those moments where he takes hold of the, the game by the scruff of the neck and he you know, delivers to someone on a lead and they take a mark and then, you know, maybe in a kick or two it becomes a goal. Um, yeah. That's what we haven't seen from our side reliably. And that's, you know, if you've got a midfielder captain, that's the sort of thing you want to see every game. 
mm. at least once once every game is that ability to break free and genuinely impact the contest and genuinely switch the game. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to see. Yeah, and that we relies didn't on really see things. that much from Boki this year in terms of no. being able to break free and, and run off and you know get a clear disposal. Like he seemed to be under a lot of pressure every time he went near the ball. Uh, I'm not sure whether it was just due to uh, poor disposal or whether teams were sort of targeting him a little bit more than what they've done in the past. But yeah, that that sort of uh, freewheeling Travis Boke was uh, was nowhere to be seen for large parts of this season. And look, parts of it come down to criticisms we've had of the side where our half-forwards have not necessarily led cleverly. Um, you know, they've, they've maybe not provided options that they should have done. Um, and just looking at the Spreaker chat, I see that there's a little argument that's resolved itself, yeah, but I'll just quickly mention it. Uh, Ryan Pillar said, do you think Geelong were concerned whether Joel Selwood would struggle with the pressure at his tender age? And that's in reference to being named captain. Um, but as Dylan has said, Joel wasn't expected to save a flailing on-field leadership, which is true. You know, you look back at that Geelong side that Joel Selwood was made captain of. <laughs> yeah, three flags in, extremely settled side, um, good midfield. Uh, you know, <laughs> you could just about ping it with your eyes closed and hit a forward. Um, the, yeah, it's a very different, very different role that um, Boke and Selwood have faced in their career. Ryan also said, uh, "You make the big cold bite the bullet and implore Ollie to rise to the occasion like he should." Um, I don't think that's part of being a captain. He should be doing that. He doesn't need to be captain to do that. He should already be doing that. Captaincy should not impact. We don't want captaincy to get in the way of him doing that. Let me put it this way. And if there's, if there's any chance that the additional responsibilities are going to stop Ollie from becoming the absolutely elite centre midfielder that he can be, then we don't give it to him. You know, we've, we've already seen Robbie Gray, you know, three best and fairest in a row. He's not captain and he's probably been better for it because he hasn't yeah. had that additional crap in his, to deal with. So for sure, I, I don't mind that Ollie Wine's not the captain. Um, if he gets to a point where he is, you know, probably Gray consistency level, um, yeah, maybe talk about it then. But uh, there's no rush. Uh, Bevan has also said what we recruit may dictate uh, what role uh, Travis Boak plays. Getting a couple of inside mids and he might be able to, um, might be free to play more outside, which is uh, certainly correct as well. Yeah, well, it really depends on the sorts of players we target in the um, in the draft and uh, trade period, I guess. You know, yep. um, but that might still be one or two years away. So yeah, for sure. Final player for this evening, Brad Ebert. Good guy, Brad Ebert. Uh, yeah. 26 years old, fifth season at Port Adelaide. Uh, 21 games uh, this year, kicked 17 goals, averaged 18 disposals, six tackles, and just under three inside 50s a game. Uh, how did you see Ebo this year, Porsche? Oh, gee, he had some pretty shit games in amongst some pretty good ones. <laughs> um... Really? <laughs> Oh, look, I mean, I think there's some games where you just say, oh, you, you looked at those games and then it always seemed to be Ebert that was um, instrumental in making a terrible clanger, right? Like, and, that, and that's part, that's part of his game. I thought we saw that less and less this year. I think we did. I think that, you know, probably around the midpoint of the year, that's when I started thinking, oh, no, Ebert's not doing too bad, you know? But he's, I think it's just a part of his game that you'll always see Ebert do a few of those. Like At this point, we've seen it. We talk about consistency. Like Consistently, Ebert has always been a guy that you know he, he'll put in every week. He'll have a crack, and sometimes he'll play brilliant football, and then sometimes he'll do something that, you know, if the first game it did it, you'd think they were not going to play another AFL game. So. Yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> it was good to see him get amongst the goals again this year. He kicked 17 goals for the year, which was uh, more than he's kicked since his debut season at Port Adelaide. Um, 
we saw a bit of a different role for for him this year. He certainly went um, a little bit more defensive um, mm, mm. through the midfield as opposed to being that sort of outside accumulator. Uh, do you think this suited him a little bit more? Um, yes, because I don't think he has the down-the-field vision slash skills to be that outside accumulator effectively in our side. So, yeah, I think okay. so. Um. Have we seen enough of that hard-running Brad Ebert that we all loved and admired through sort of 2012 to 2014? You'd like to see more of it. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much of that comes down to the chaos of our side. Yeah. Um, you know, because, I mean, one of the things I rarely would doubt about Brad Ebert is his endeavour. Um, and I would be much more likely to suspect that if Brad Ebert doesn't seem to be doing the hard-running he should be, it's because he's not doing the right hard-running rather than that he's not doing it. Um, and that's a coaching directive, I would imagine, as much as anything. For sure. Uh, does Brad need to start wearing a helmet? Yeah, one like Nathan Burke. Yep. <laughs> I think it's probably... No, I was thinking more like a bike helmet, like a motorbike <laughs> helmet. Yeah, well, I was watching a thing um, talking about how concussions aren't actually the real problem with impact uh, that happens in professional sports, which is kind of... Concerning, and I suppose we'll probably hear more about it in relation to uh, AFL in coming years, but uh, that every contest you have pretty much where you end up going to ground or something is making it actually a really small injury that will heavily affect your brain activity in later life. So, yeah. yay. <laughs> the helmet will help, but probably not as much as it should. Yeah. Well, he had some great games throughout the year. I thought he was really good against GWS, uh, kicked four goals. Um, was great against Brisbane. Probably his game of the season was against Richmond, where he um, sort of harassed and annoyed the living crap out of Dustin Martin, who played probably his worst game for the year that night. Yeah, that was a good game, wasn't it? It was. (laughs) It was a good performance. Um, What do you want to see from Brad next year? Uh, Look, I want to see him continue to get in people's faces like he did with Dustin Martin, quite (laughs) frankly. Like, the thing I like about Eva as a player is that he has this ability to really annoy opposition players sometimes but he does it with that blank expression. So it doesn't look yeah. like it's really nasty or anything. It just looks like it yeah. just looks like it's just happening. He often does it with it, a smile as well. Yeah, right? Like he'll he looks go up like... and laugh in someone's face and sort of yeah. push them. <laughs> and then you look at him a second later and, you know, if he didn't... I mean, it'd be, he's got a, the sort of face where it'd be really easy to think he's not all that bright, but yeah. you know he's brighter than his face looks on the field. It's kind of that um, Michael Wilson thing. Yeah, kind of, exactly kind of that Michael yeah. Wilson thing. Exactly that in that, you know, if you actually watch, you go, oh, geez, a dirty bugger and he's tricky about it too. You know, um, I, I think Freddie was close to that. He's not at Michael yeah. Wilson's standard, but he's getting, he, 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 I'd love to see him get in that ballpark for sure. For sure. Right. Well, that's the player reviews for this week done. Um, yeah. Onto the forum questions. And we've oh, yeah. got quite a few good ones. Uh, Power Girl has asked, or she's after strategies to care more about this final series. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, the, the, there's, uh, I think someone posted on the thread and Bigfooty alcohol. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Gambling. Gambling's another one. Yep. Um, even if it's not money, it can be stupid bets that is just within your family. Um, yep. That's that's a good one. Uh, and I guess apart from that, um, I don't know. NFL season started. You could just watch that yeah. instead. True. Well, I would recommend. Look, obviously, gamble responsibly, but I would recommend um, uh, putting all your life savings on a team to win, and you will certainly care about the result <laughs> then, for sure. 
Ah, yes. Uh, also make a drinking game, I reckon. That'd be good. Yeah. Sort of base around Bruce McAvaney, I reckon. I think the other thing you could do is go through the record to all of the teams that are in the finals still and then work out or write down a list of all of the times that that team has really, you know, smashed us or frustrated us. And that way you guarantee that every time a team loses, you'll just be really satisfied about it because you can go through that list of things like, ha, that's what you get for da 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 you know, you just go through the yeah. list. <laughs> that's a good point. I like that. Yeah. Uh, look, venge- vengeance. And vengeance, right? Is, I mean, because uh, we haven't got GWS, that, that win in their first season, perfect one for GWS, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, Papagello was asked, uh, assuming it goes ahead, what would be your preferred result from the Hamish Hartlett trade? And he's listed four options here. Okay. Uh, first round pick this year. Mm-hmm. First round pick next year. Yep. Use the pick that we get to get another player or oh. combine that pick with our current pick nine to get a different combination of draft picks. Uh, I mean, the last one is kind of an all of the above almost. Uh, yeah. Look, I've already indicated I'm pretty keen on getting in the first round next year. Um, I did see one suggestion elsewhere. I can't remember if it was in that thread or somewhere else talking about, you know, Essendon want Hamish Hartlett, which is like, yeah, bullshit. But the idea of, you know, getting two first round picks and then turning them into one high one and then one late first round pick, that's actually pretty appealing to me because I think those are the sweet spots in this draft. Yep. Um, you've got like your top three players and then I reckon that late, I reckon late first round this year is going to be some real value. So, um that would be my preference if you're going to do some weird engineered thing. But otherwise, uh, those simple options, first round pick next year, thanks. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Pillar has said on the speaker chat, give them Hamish and uh, I think it's pick nine actually, not eight, but pick nine for a one and a second rounder. And I would say Essendon definitely would not do that. Yeah, absolutely not. But I, w- I would jump at that. Um, even, <laughs> oh, even, absolutely. If yeah. even if Essendon had downgraded to like pick three, through some other trade before it came to us, like three and a, and an early second rounder, I'd, or just any second round, I'd be pretty stoked with that. So, yeah. mm. uh, Bevan has asked, "What's your gut feel on where he ends up?" Uh, I don't know. I'm really worried it's going to be Port. Um, I'd love to see him at Richmond. Um. <laughs> I can't see how he gets there with uh, with Prestia looking at going there as well. Yeah, I know, but it'd just be so perfect as a culture fit. Um, I don't know. I think given North Melbourne's um, traded out half their bloody side or told them that they're delisted, um, especially with Wells going as well or looking at going as well. Yeah, uh, I think there's, there's a chance there that um, I reckon. that they'll need to bring in another experienced player. So he would be a good fit there. I think St Kilda, he'd be a pretty good fit there. Um, I still think he might end up staying. Unfortunately, I think you're probably right. And just as far as North Melbourne, like I don't think I can recall the last time North Melbourne made a generous offer for a contracted player. Um, probably the last time they did would have been a horrific one of the trades they did with Hawthorne for either Hay or for um, Thompson. Yeah, uh, that's the last two I can think of when they put out a big bid yeah. for a big bid for a, 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 a an okayish player. Um, and I think that, you know, you could see if you did a sort of trade for Hartley, you could, if you were North Melbourne, you'd be thinking, there's a good chance we could be similarly burned. So I don't yeah. reckon they're the team. Uh, it, it could be a team like Gold Coast that have a crack. Um, uh, and I think the other reason I mentioned Richmond is I think that Blair Hartley was with us when we drafted Hartlett, so maybe he's still a big Hartlett fanboy. Yep. I don't know. Possibly. Maybe. Um, 
because our podcast is uh, is named the Prime Cut this evening, we've had a lot of questions about steak. Uh, T. Cray has asked, "How do you like your steak cooked?" Um, medium well. Medium well. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm an I'm an overcooker. I picked you as a rare person. No, no, it seems it's, the rare seems to skip a generation in my family. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so it basically means that the children of the next generation always hate how their parents cook meat. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> like that seems to be a, a thing across the family on my mum's side. Because um, yeah. my grand cooked exactly how I like it, and my mum hated it. So you always had red meat, and I'm like, oh, red meat. So you know, it's one of those things. Yeah. Makes well, me medium, medium well, it's not too bad. I don't mind. Um, I, I, my preference would be more sort of medium rare, obviously, or rare medium. Um, don't like it too rare. Don't like it too medium. Somewhere in the middle. I had Perfect. steak tartare last month. And that was that was pretty ordinary. I like steak. A good steak tartare is wonderful. Is one of the best things on earth. Uh, look, I mean, if I'm naming my favorite, With the egg yolk and everything. Beef, yeah. My favorite way to eat beef would have to be, I don't know, probably a a good satay, something like that. Okay. Bit of right. soy sauce. Mm. Uh, Crazy Big Owl has asked two questions. Um, oh. How do you cook your steak? In a pan. In a pan. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice and simple. I, I've uh, typed out a big answer for this one because I reckon uh, yeah, cooking you're, you're a good nutter. steak is... Uh, there's nothing An better art. than that. And, uh, well, I think there's two mistakes that the home cook makes when cooking a, a, a great steak. And I think the first is you need to actually take it out the fridge for around 30 minutes before cooking. I think that's very important. Uh, second, you need to uh, rest it after cooking as well. Also very, very important. And These mm. are two simple things that a lot of home cooks don't do, which ensures uh, you don't get the best out of your steak, basically. And look, for a good uh, inch, inch and a half steak, um, I'd be looking at searing on both sides on a very high heat for around 80 seconds each side. Uh, make sure you season first and uh, also rub the steak with olive oil before you sear in your pan. Mm. Uh, then put your steak in a 180-degree oven for around 8 to 10 minutes. Uh, take it out, uh, put it aside and rest. It has to be rested rested for a good five minutes. Let those juices work back uh, into that steak and uh, serve with with good mash. Um, so like a nice parmesan mash, uh, some green, be- uh, green beans and roasted cherry tomatoes and uh, you're laughing. Happy days. Hey, Macca, mm. you do know the Port Club's hiring, right? <laughs> I, I know that, yeah. <laughs> you, you thought about going for the job? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> uh, Dylan has said, uh, did Macca ever get on the show Ready, Steady, Cook? And uh, No, I did not. Am I oh. Huey's natural successor? Quite possibly. <laughs> uh, do you use condiments with your prime cut Porsche? Oh, shit, no. I mean, oh, that's not true. Well, it really depends, like, what the setting is. Mm. Like, sometimes you might have a bit of sauerkraut on the side and a bit of German mustard, but if you're having a really good steak, I mean, you just eat the steak, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I'm more of a rub fan than a condiment fan, to be honest. Yeah, like, a yeah. nice rub is, uh, there's nothing better than that. Or a nice sort of, like, homemade garlic butter, something like that. Ooh, yeah, well. a bit of garlic butter for sure. Yeah. Uh, needs gravy. Great name. This this is the perfect name. You keep saying that. Oh, it's brilliant. Uh, is it acceptable to eat cookie dough before you cook it? I'm not if a fan of that. To be, I've never been a fan of that. If you're under the age of twelve, yes. <laughs> Fair enough. I know it's a big thing, especially sort of in America. But yeah, raw cookie dough. I've never been a fan. There's well, something I mean, about it that I just don't enjoy. 
Well, look, for me, I mean, I think that if you're making cookies from like a a bar of cookie dough from the fridge, like, what are you doing? It's real easy to make cookies from a recipe. Do that. And then then we're talking about lick the bowl. And like I said, the lick the bowl, that's the under 12 rule. For sure. Uh, The Beard Amigos has asked, brownie or hedgehog? We're talking about chocolate slices here? Yeah. Um, Brownie, because I like the fudginess. Hedgehogs, mostly, I've found are a bit too dry. Yeah. I probably... I'm not a huge fan of brownies. I've never been a huge... Again, I've never been a huge fan of brownies. I don't know why. There's just something... I've never had one that's made me go, oh, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it's probably hedgehog. Even though I do agree, often they're quite dry. Um, yeah. But I do like the flavour in a hedgehog. Look, if, I, if when I'm thinking of a hedgehog, I'm probably thinking about the Ned Kelly Bakery on Port Road. And if I'm there, then I'm probably getting a Chester Square if they're still doing them. So Okay, yeah. Got to love, I, to love the old Chester Squares, you know. Yeah. Hashtag South Australia, hashtag Balfour's. <laughs> Good cherry slice, I reckon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dylan 8 has asked the uh, the serious question of thoughts on Hungry Jack's chips. Have you had their new chips? Look, I have. Uh, I thought, what is this shit? Um, <laughs> <laughs> for me, the thicker the chip, the crunchier it has to be. And quite frankly, the way they cook their chips is nowhere near crunchy. Um, okay. You know, I've had I'd the rather... exact opposite experience. Really? Okay. Yeah, I've, I've, I reckon I've had the new Hungry Jack's chips three or four times, and they have been spot on, absolutely perfect each time. Do you think, because I wonder if this is part of it, like the only Hungry Jack's I've been to in recent memory is a 24-hour one. I just kind of wonder, mm. like, are the standards lower in those than in the ones that open, like, human hours? don't know. Not sure. If, if I'm, but, but But if I'm choosing chips, like takeaway sort of chips... And I have, any, if I have a choice of any, it's always crinkle cut. And I don't know why there's not a fast food group doing that. Crinkle cut? Love crinkle cut. They're the best. Oh, they always, crinkle cut always... reminds me of oven chips, which are always, by definition, yeah, a bit soggy and bland. Yeah, no, but when you have them cooked you know, properly, like the extra surface area makes them super crunchy. They're great. And they're yeah. still soft in the middle. Like If you could get a, a, a you know, Hungry Jacks or Maccas or whoever else doing a good crinkle cut, I'd be all over that for sure. Okay, fair enough. Well, obviously, you can't beat a good hand-cut chip at a good uh, fish and chippery, I reckon. That's the way to go. Yeah, look, I mean... I just to say the word chippery then, but... <laughs> look, for me, I, I kind of think, like, your local fish and chips, it's interesting how they all seem to use the same stuff, but, like, the quality varies. Like, I know, um, talking Adelaide, back in Co- the Collinswood one, they had really good chips for five minutes, and then they're ordinary, <laughs> you know? Chicken cave, full of guns, guys, can't yeah. beat it. Best chips but, on earth. But then you go somewhere else and they might be using the exact same potatoes, but something about the way they cook them, like, you know, you can get them home and they're still okay. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think um, Chicken Cave use uh, pre-packaged <laughs> chips, I think. They use Mr. Chips. Okay. But they are always absolutely perfect. They are brilliant chips. Um, other than that, I would say hand-cut chips are the way to go. There's a place up here called Happy Birds, which are just fantastic. Uh, the place on Semaphore Road, fantastic. Um, yeah, hand-cut chips, that's the way to go. Crinkle cut, crinkle cut. Dylan has said crinkle cut reminds me of being six. <laughs> I've got to say that's a great call. That's that's rough. That's rough. <laughs> <coughs> Brilliant. Uh, right, back to some footy. Uh, the Beard Amigos has asked, who had the most disappointing season in terms of impact? hype coming into the season 
All that I already stuff. answered this one in the thread, and it's definitely Fishing Rick. Definitely Fishing Rick. <laughs> Good call. Where was he? Yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, the start of the year, we had all these huge expectations, and we had that peak when we had the Facebook posting, and then he sort of started not doing podcasts as much, and now he's off he's in fishing internationally. Rick, Charlie Dixon. Look, I think it's really suspicious to me that Fishing Rick is overseas during trade period. Um you know, when a player does that, you always know that they're just trying to avoid being traded, and I think that's how Rick's feeling right now. So um, I think that's part of it. I think he's going to be heading up Gold Coast Fan Radio next year, to be honest. But... Yeah, could be. Could be. Yeah. Absolutely. That's it. Now, from a player point of view, it's hard to go past Charlie. I think, I think we all had huge ex- expectations coming into the year. 30 goals from 18 games, kicked four goals in his last eight. I know he got injured late, but... He probably dropped as many marks as he took, and I, I think 30 goals was um, an acceptable outcome. If I look, I can I can understand a case for that. I did expect him to start well, but I did expect him to improve mid-season. For me, though, I will probably say um, Brendan Arte, just because he looked yeah. like he could have been on the pathway to being. Yep. A, a, a hugely damaging footballer and he's just become the most vanilla of vanilla. Yeah, for sure. No, that's a good call. I like that. Uh, ben Blink AU has asked, uh, is there anyone worth going after that's been delisted or is a free agent? Ah, uh, probably. I mean, you see the best ones to go after, I think, after the trade period's done because um, that's when clubs delist the players that they're sort of half thinking they might keep depending on the circumstances. So I think there'll be a bit of value there. Um, I don't know, I'm still kind of on board for, like, given where we are as a team, and if we're doing a semi-rebuild, I'd be okay with Brent Harvey for that one year playing and then development coach uh, the year after or something like something like that. I'd be pretty keen on a role like that, personally. Yeah. I've called on Brent Harvey. I reckon he'd, I reckon he'd lose the plot mid-year, to be honest, and just go, why have I done this? Yeah, maybe. Look, you could be right. It's, you know... That that's just one I'm thinking. For look for the cost of a DFA, I'm not too concerned about it. The fact that we, all that we're paying him is his actual wage, like that yeah. for me is, is. And we're not having to trade for him. We could just sign him out. Like for me, that's sort of the thing. You go, yeah. Well, if we're looking at you know either keeping Paul Stewart on the list another year or um, bringing in Brent Harvey for a year, oh, that's not tough to call for me. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I always like Luke Russell from Gold Coast and just didn't get kick on in the last couple of years, but I always really liked him and um, he might have some sort of role in the side. And Billy Evans from Brisbane, 19 years old, 187 centimetre inside mid, uh, was great in their reserves all year but never got much of a go. <laughs> I'm not sure if, if you're not getting much of a go at Brisbane, if that's, uh, if that's saying all that needs to be said or not, but uh, he might be worth a, a little bit of a look as well. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, I think the other thing that it's useful to do with the delisted guys is to just not sign them as DFAs and then just do your draft. And if you see, yeah, okay, this this pool thinned out pretty quickly, then maybe you pick them up then. Yeah. But if there's a couple of sliders that you think you might be better options as your last couple of picks, you haven't committed to someone that's really not all that important. So, yeah, For sure. Yeah. Uh, last question from Crazy Big Owl. Do you feel Kane Corns is damaging his reputation with supporters with his constant spruiking of bullshit about the club? 
Well, look, let's face facts, you know. Kane Corns isn't a Port player anymore than Kevin Bartlett's a Richmond player anymore. Um, Kevin Bartlett distanced himself from his club and what, 20, 30 years later or whatever it is, he's still seen as Richmond legend Kevin Bartlett and he spends pretty much every time he talks about Richmond shit-canning them. So mm. um, there's no doubt that Kane Corns is probably following a similar um, pathway. Um, but, you know, he's not trying to be a Port player now. He's not trying to be a Port legend now. He's trying to be a media personality. And if that means he's going to have to shit on Port Adelaide, well, I mean, reality is he's going to do it. And at least he's doing it openly rather than trying to be like a Chris Dittmer and say he's a Port fan and then just go along with any other shit that other people say. So, you know, I'd, I'd, I've got more respect for Kane just straight out being, hey, I am media person. This is what I'm saying. For sure. All right. Well, that was a long one, but a good one. Thanks for yeah. coming on again, Portia. Thank you very much. Um, what's the next group that we cover? Oh, I've got to get into my email now for that. <laughs> we, we've got to do preview. We've got to make people excited to listen to the next one. It'll oh, well, be... If you keep talking for the next 30 seconds, then, uh, <laughs> it'll be fine. Well, look, I mean, there is something I just want to address about this. Uh, there were a couple of comments in the, the podcast thread saying, oh, you know, it's the prime cut. Why isn't... Um, Matthew Broadbent in there, considering he finished sixth in their best and fairest, and arguably wasn't Jasper Pittard in there. Uh, it's because we just arbitrarily sorted them into vaguely themed groups of six. So yeah. uh, I think Jasper Pittard got dumped into the one with flankers, and I, I think Matthew Broadbent got dumped into another one again. Yeah. Um, so it's just how it is. We're doing six each week, so sure. some of the fits, yeah, there might be players missing, but they're covered in another week, so we're all good. Yeah. That's it. Next week is titled The Upside, and it's uh, based around some of the young talent in the side. I'll let it be a fun one. It will be. Yep. Absolutely. Very good. Alrighty. Well, until next week. Yeah. Calm the pair. Calm the pair. And um, who are the crows playing? (laughs) Go the Swans. Yeah, yeah. Go the Swans. As much as I'm happy to go the Swans after they got 2003 last week, so um, <laughs> go, yeah, go Swans. Yeah, no more straight sets. Nah, we nah, don't want the Swans fine. turning into Yana Novotny here, to be honest. Not oh, God, <laughs> okay, <laughs> but yeah, go for it. That's it. Spears inside 50, Schultz comes hard, flicks it out, both scared of the appropriate. The captain, that is gold class. <laughs> Leadership agrees with Travis Boat. He's better than ever.